Greetings and welcome to episode 56 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. I'm your host, David Ward, here with you once again. And uh, it's been a busy few weeks uh, down here in Pantherland. Uh, the season ended. We know how that, you know, we, we reviewed it in the last podcast with Aaron Brown. Um, since then, I think, you know, most of us have just been hanging out watching the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs play out, which ended a couple of nights ago. Congrats to the Colorado Avalanche on winning their first cup in over 20 years. That that kind of surprised me. A little side note there, by the way, just as you know, we're watching the finals and they're talking about the the Avalanche. It feels like they've won more than two Stanley Cups, or at least they had won more than two Stanley Cups. Just you know, thinking about the time when I was really coming up as a young hockey fan, you know, in the '90s, the late '90s, and the 2000s, uh, they were always in the mix. You know, with Sackick and Forsberg and Wah, and they had you know those amazing teams back then. It's crazy to think that it was just 96 and 01 that they won those two cups when they beat the Panthers and when the, the Ray Bork year. So um, that was just something that kind of, you know, maybe made me think twice. Like, oh, well, yeah, they only had won it twice. And they'd only been twice. They hadn't even, you know, I think the only other time they went was, uh, what, they lose to the Devils like the year before, if I'm not mistaken, maybe. Um, yeah, or maybe, no, it was the Devils they beat, right, with, uh, with Ray Bork. Either way, I'm totally mis- mishmashing hockey history right now. Um, but I'm going to keep going anyway, because that's, uh, that's what we do, right? We keep churning. But anyway, big time in Pantherland. Uh, now that the season ended, the dust settled a little bit, and then we had some movement, right? What do we have? We have a new head coach, Paul Maurice, veteran head coach. Uh, considering he's you know only 55 years old, tons of experience. He's been in the game a long time. Actually, his first season behind an NHL bench was the same season the Panthers went to the Stanley Cup Finals in 95-96. That was his first year as the head coach of the Hartford Whalers back then, if you remember the Whalers. And another Whaler uh, connection that I'll mention way at the end of the show, so you stay tuned for that. It's going to be a little callback. But, um, but yeah, so he's been coaching for a long, long time. Um, look, I like the hire. I, I like Paul Maurice. I've interacted with him a, a little bit over the years. Uh, I spoke to him for a little while, uh, like a year or so ago, I was for a story that I did on Ole Jokinen, Paul Maurice uh, was uh, Ole's coach in Winnipeg for a little while, um, somebody who was very influential in his decision to become a coach, um, Maurice to Ole. Um, and that's something that also I would just kind of keep in the back of my mind, as Paul Maurice has already said that he's considered Ole Jokinen as a potential coaching candidate when he was in Winnipeg. Now Ole's over in Liga winning Coach of the Year and turning all these heads, and his coaching uh, stock is certainly rising. So perhaps in the next, uh, you know, however long, you know, if Maurice is here for a while, if Ole continues to have the success he has, perhaps a, uh, a return to South Florida for Ole uh, would be pretty cool. Um, but back to Paul Maurice here. Um, as I said, I'm a big fan of his as a person. Um, he's obviously been a good head coach. He's led teams to the playoffs. He's led a team to the final. Uh, he's gone to the conference finals twice. Um, what I like about Paul Maurice for the Panthers fit, it's a good fit. Uh, he's the kind of guy with the team the Panthers have right now. The Panthers have, they're young-ish, right? They're not, I wouldn't call them a young team. Um, they're not an old team. They're, you know, so many of their players are like right in the prime years of their career. We've talked about it, you know, many times on the podcast, how, you know, you can go down the list and I'm not even looking at a roster right now. I'm just thinking Barkov, Huberto, Reinhardt, Bennett, Ekblad, Uyghur, uh, you know, you probably, probably guys I'm not even thinking of, um, a bunch of key players on this team that are in the prime years, that mid to late twenties, you know, between like 25, 26 and 28, 29. That's like, 
that's like the top of the mountain right there. As some guys can stretch it out into their early 30s, and you know those are you know I wouldn't be surprised if like Barkov and Huberto and guys like that Ekblad uh, continue to have success. But I mean, for the most part, this is like when you're going to get the 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 greatest milk from the cow. This is when you're going to get the best years of a player's career. Um, and and the that on the same token, like these players that the Panthers have, they they know where they're at in terms of their career and this team that they've been on for a while. Uh, what they've been building up towards. I think it's a perfect marriage of a coach who's a good leader of men, who's got no ego, he's very relatable and honest, and a team of guys that are hungry to win. There's no egos in the locker room. Everybody comes to work every day ready to put in the time, put in the hours, the blood, sweat, and tears and all that. We we heard so much about how great this team was off the ice uh, last year. I think uh, adding Paul Maurice is a smart move. I don't think he's going to come in and rock the boat a whole lot in terms of uh, just the way that he interacts and the way he'll demand things from the players. Um, you know, he's not what I would call a disciplinarian uh, type of coach. Uh, I think immature and selfish type players wouldn't like playing for Paul Maurice. But, you know, as I said, there, there aren't really any of those down here at all. Um, I think it's safe to say that this is perhaps the best roster of players that Paul Maurice will have ever coached. Um, which is saying a lot because there were some really good teams over the years in Winnipeg. Um, and, and then obviously he, he got a lot of, out of his uh, tenure, two tenures in Carolina, um, you know, taking them to the cup final in 02 on a team, you know, with Artris Urbe, uh, leading the charge in, in net. That was, uh, that was fun. I believe former Panther Ray Whitney was on that team at well, as if I'm not mistaken, which I could be. Um, all right. So what else with Paul Maurice? Something interesting about his time in Winnipeg. When you look at some of the better, more exciting teams he had in Winnipeg, that was when he had this amazing mobile defenseman named Dustin Bufflin on his team, right? Maybe the best uh, in terms of uh, two-way defenseman, uh, offensive defenseman that he's had. Uh, and on the same token, some great teams that he had with Bufflin and Winnipeg. So now he comes to Florida. Aaron Ekblad, Mackenzie Weger, Gus Forsling. These are all guys that can move with the puck, move it well, very offensive, very two-way guys. Uh, I think Maurice is going to have a lot more options to have some fun with his defense in Florida than he's had maybe in his uh, entire coaching career. I think uh, it's going to be a little bit more fluidity, uh, which is something that you would like to see. But, you know, as he said, one of the first things that Maurice said when he got hired was, you know, what's going to be different? We're going to play, we're going to defend better without the puck. I, I, I'm paraphrasing. I think that's pretty close to exactly what he said. But that's clearly something that was talked about in the interview process, something that's on his mind, going to be on his mind as we get into the season, as you got this, you know, really highly talented offensive team in the Panthers. Add a little defense, a little sprinkling of defense, maybe cut back on a goal per game. And I think really what you're going to find that's going to come in the transition game. I think, uh, well, the Panthers was such a great rush team. I think, you know, obviously there's, there's a flip side to that coin. And we saw it. They gave up a lot of rush opportunities. Uh, it helps when you've got defenders like, you know, Aaron Ekblad. Uh, Radko Gudis was very good. I, I thought he was on the uh, the odd man rush opportunities. Just really staying in place, cutting down the pass. That, that, you know, from my perspective as a goaltender, uh, that's what I'm looking for on when I'm when a defender is coming at me you know, in an odd man rush situation. Just make sure the pass doesn't get through. I'll handle the first shot. If that gets by, that's on me because I'm staring at this guy coming down at me. Just just make sure the pass doesn't get through. And that can be hard at times, no doubt. Uh, but yeah, anyway, that's that's just me getting sidetracked here. Um, so yeah, I think Maurice is going to have a lot of web. Obviously, you know, aside from the defense, what, what the Panthers are going to roll out on offense. 
uh, just knowing what's coming back with, you know, Barkov, Huberto, Verhage, uh, Bennett, uh, Reinhardt, Lundell. Uh, you, you know, I want to say Anthony Duclair. Unfortunately, Duke won't be back for a while. Uh, you know, kind of touch on that in a little bit. It sucks for him. Um, but just my point being just there, there's so much talent, so much versatility uh, on this Panthers roster. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. And I think fun to see how Paul Maurice kind of works with all these new toys he's going to have to play with. Um, one big question as, a, you know, as we're getting used to being down here, will the goaltending stand up? Will Sergei Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight, I would expect Spencer Knight to, to, to gradually and continue to improve as he, you know, just gets older, grows into his body, gets world-class coaching, uh, facing world-class competitions and shots. Uh, it, it makes perfect sense that Spencer Knight's just going to continue to get better and better. Um, is Sergei Bobrovsky going to play next season to the standard that he set for himself last year, where, you know, he had one of his best seasons in several years, by far his best season as a Florida Panther. Uh, I think most of us can agree that he was their best and most consistent player in the playoffs, despite, you know, uh, what was it, a 4-6 and six record. Uh, he was pretty stellar and solid in the net, game in and game out. Um, and it really could say that about him for the majority of the last couple of months of the season, save those two starts against the, uh, the Devils and the Maple Leafs. But overall, it should be a good fit. I like the hiring. I like Paul Maurice. I'm, you know, I'm okay with it. For what it's worth, right? Um, I mean, the guy's, what, 1,600 games coached in the NHL. Um, I think the thing to take away uh, is, you know, as I, I've just talked about all the reasons that it's this huge opportunity for Paul Maurice and the Panthers, of which it is. But on that same token, huge opportunity, huge expectations. If this Panthers team falls short of really anything but a second round, at least appearance, I mean, really, the, the bar is conference final right you can't have a team that's this good this talented you hand pick your head coach that that's really what the expectation is but if this is a team that falls short if they you know lose in the first round or f- some catastrophe happens and they don't make the playoffs i mean that's a that's a huge issue uh and so that's uh pressure that paul maurice and, and bill zito and everybody's taking on right off the bat um that kind of leads you into the next question uh what about Andrew Brunette? What what about Bruno? We got to talk about Bruno. You know, another side note here. I, the the Encanto Bruno references feel like they're getting a bit stale at this point, right? Like, you know, I just made one. I feel like almost reflectively, um, but you know, I think it's time to move on from not talking about Bruno in terms of the Disney movie. Anyway. Uh, He's still got one year left in his contract in Florida. Not that I am expecting at this point to see him behind the Panthers bench again. Um, he's had permission to speak with other teams about you know potential changes in scenery, whether it's as a head coach or otherwise. Um, look, it would be a tough, a tough sell uh, to stick around in Florida, and yeah, I mean that's for anybody. It's just to go through so much, to be there for years, to establish relationships as a what he was, which was an assistant coach under Joel Quenville and, you know, very personable, uh, one that the players loved, uh, was very hands-on. Uh, you know, you know, he was, he did a lot with the special teams. He worked with the power play. Um, and you know, he was often writing up plays on the bench, even when Q was here. Um, it was, you know, during timeouts, uh, for offensive zone starts, it was often Bruno that would get uh, turned to. Um, it's just does not sound like 
it's there's a situation that he's going to be returning as an as an assistant coach to the Panthers. Would I love to see it? Yeah, of course. I mean, he knows what's going on here. He knows the players. He's he would probably be a asset to Paul Maurice. But um, look, I I don't fault him at all if he wants to move on. It's a tough situation. You know, you you got this group of guys that you've been leading that that have been turning to you as their as their top guy for a year and he led them to a president's trophy first uh first round win in forever um to to kind of go back and take a back seat and have to you know answer to someone else and not be that guy after being that guy after not being that guy uh that's a lot and so I, i i don't fault him at all uh for wanting to move on if that's indeed what ends up happening um i'm curious to to hear what teams are willing not not that he's not uh, like suitable for a head coaching position. Obviously, he did a good job here in Florida. I'm just curious, based on the small sample size, um, which teams would be willing to to hand over the keys to the car? Um, you know, there's. I'm trying to. I don't remember who it was. One of the big guys, whether it was uh, Elliot Friedman or uh, Pierre LeBron, one of the big guys tweeted that um, that Winnipeg was potentially considering uh, Brunette as a uh, head coach, uh, or maybe it was said on the on the podcast that I was. Either way, it was somewhere recently I heard about that, and that'd be, you know, just because, oh, they swap head coaches. But, um, yeah, you know, whatever happens, I'll, I'll certainly be be rooting for Bruno. He was, you know, great down here. Uh, you know, obviously a very likable guy, very honest, heart-in-a-sleeve type of guy, and I certainly could appreciate that. Um, so we'll see where he lands. But, um <sighs> Yeah, you, you just, you know, I, I'd like to just buy Bruno a beer right now just because it's been such a tough situation. And he's been, you know, basically whatever they needed, he was there for it. And, you know, that's the business of the game. Uh, no reason to, like, dwell on it here, you know. But, um, but yeah, it's just my my resounding thought is just, you know, I'm a fan of Bruno's and, you know, wherever he lands, you know, you hope, hope the best for him. You know, he deserves it. Um, switching gears to something a bit more positive that we found out uh, in the last couple of days, and that's, uh, you know, Panthers lifer, or, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, Long time, long time, lovable Panther, whether it was on the ice, whether it's off the ice. Uh, Roberto Luongo, a first ballot Hall of Famer. I I mean, I guess maybe there was a little doubt because of the, you know, considerably less goaltenders than other positions in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, I get it. There's five of them and one of us and yada, yada, yada. But um, but still, um, Luandro was, you know, among the best in the game, uh, you know, not just Panther-wise, but lead-wise. You know, he's up there in wins and shutouts. Um, and he was consistent. He played year after year, racking up the, whether it was, you know, in his first tenure with the Panthers or the first few years in Vancouver where he was just playing tons of games and showing no signs of wear and tear. I mean, he was just amazing. And for me, like as a young goalie, like just to watch somebody coming up and, you know, as Roberto was coming up, it was at a time where like the style was really, you know, his style, the butterfly style that was really evolving. The the traditional stand-up play was really moving away and, and to watch Roberto kind of at the forefront of it, um, you know, just as somebody that, you know, I and I'm sure many others were emulating, um, it was just a very cool thing to see. Uh, Panther-wise, I mean, you're talking about, you know, I mean, obviously he's the first Panthers player to have his number retired. Uh, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer feels pretty good. 
what Panthers goaltending records does he still have? I mean, we can go down the list. He's got the most games played. He's got the most wins, shutouts, saves. Um, he's got the record for uh, games played in a single season. He's got the record for saves in a single season. I believe he's tied uh, for shutouts in a single season. Uh, he won two Olympic gold medals. And, and that one, I mean, look, as an American, it's a, it was a little tough pill to swallow at the time. But the 2010 Olympics... Uh, that were in Vancouver, which is where he was playing at the time. And, you know, the U.S. and Canada both got to the gold medal game. I mean, that was that was awesome. That was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, just thinking from him to be, you know, on the ice, in your home ice, in, the, in your home country, you get a golden goal situation. You know, Sidney Crosby scored on Ryan Miller, went five-hole. Um, just, you know, this is just awesome for Luongo and that, you know, as a heartbroken American hockey fan, that was, I remember even back then taking some solace and watching Luongo celebrate the way he did. Cause even in Vancouver, I think we can all agree that we were still rooting for Lou. Um, and I, I, uh, yeah, I was going to, my first ever Panthers Jersey that I ever got a name put on it going way back was Roberto Luongo. I got a blue, uh, third Jersey with Luongo's name and number on it. And I was thrilled at the time. And, you know, I think I was maybe 17, 18, 19, whatever it was. And uh, there was a, I think it was at the draft, actually. Now that I'm, I'm thinking back about it, it, I think it was at the draft uh, where I got uh, his signature on the jersey. And I, it may, I may be wrong, but I, because I, I know I have a ticket from that draft that I got signed by Luongo and Rick DiPietro, uh, which is just a weird goalie piece of, uh, artifact or whatever that I still have. Um, but, but anyway, I, I got Luongo to sign the jersey and I was just so like, you know, back then I was thinking of, you know, I'm going to have a hockey career. I'm going to try to, you know, go play pro. So I, I remember when he signed it, I was like, um, ugh, well, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I was like, you know, yeah, I'm playing. I want to be just like you. And, you know, I'm going to be a goalie or I'm a goalie. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be trying out for juniors and yada, yada. So he, he writes in the jersey to Dave, take it easy on me, Roberto Luongo. And uh, you know, I always just thought that was cool <laughs> and, you know, not necessarily a little extra motivation or anything. Cause you know, obviously my brief junior career didn't go very far, but, um, I thought, I just thought it was a cool thing, you know, from one goaltender to another. And he was just a kid at the time as well. You know, he was only a few years older than me at the time. Um, so, you know, that's something that I, and I still have obviously the Jersey, uh, to this day. Uh, so that was cool. And then one other little quick Luongo story, uh, and this one's much more recent, and it kind of talks to the, the total nerd I am right now. Um, it was right during training camp last season, and I was walking into the, the media room at the practice rink, and uh, Luongo was sitting there as I walked in, which, you know, it's not uncommon. Sometimes the, the guy's just sitting around, you just let him do their thing. Um, so I'm walking in, there's Luongo to my left, and he calls me over to him, which I'm like, oh, okay cool. He's like, Hey Dave, come over here. Um, he's like, he had just recently within the last like few days or whatever, whatever, he'd started following me on Twitter. Uh, and so he calls me over to him and he's like, Hey man, you're really funny on Twitter. I, you know, I enjoy your tweets and I, I, I'm, my jaw must've hit the floor. Maybe my tongue rolled out the door. I was just like, I'm like, dude, you're like the king of funny Twitter. So to hear you telling me that it's, it's an honor. You know, I said something completely stupid and moronic at the time. Um, but that is another thing that always kind of stuck with me just cause, you know, I, I mean, granted he's a colleague now and, you know, we work together and it's professional and all that good stuff. But I mean, 
you know, like all of us that are doing this, we started as hockey fans. And, you know, every so often I got to take a step back and put my hockey fan hat back on. And so moments like that are just, you know, the anyway, the reason that I'm telling these stories is just because you've got a guy who was, you know, a kid at 20 something years old. And now you've got a guy in his 40s that's a, you know, executive. He's completely been around the block and he's always the same down to earth, good natured guy. And that is why I will always be a fan of his. That's why I'm thrilled for him that he's being honored uh, to get into the Hall of Fame on, you know, as a first opportunity, first ballot guy. And uh, just kudos to Roberto Luongo on an amazing career. I'm sure we're all uh, super thrilled for him. And yeah, awesome. Awesome stuff for Lou. Um, so some final thoughts here to wrap things up. Um, I mentioned earlier the uh, Anthony Duclair injury. Uh he kind of confirmed the injury on his own Instagram, uh, you know, a picture of him in his cast, uh, surgery. Uh, it's obviously anytime you have uh, Achilles surgery, it's a serious thing. Uh, a long recovery, months and months and months. Um, you know, we're in late June, so you want to say, you know, July. Uh, you know, so July, August, September, October, November, December, January. Seven months from now would get us to January. So hopefully you would think maybe Duclair... You know, if everything go and I, this is total speculation. This is not. I have no idea what you know what the injury is specifically, how severe it is, or what the timetable for his return will be. Yet, you think you know six to eight months. That would be December to February. So that still would give you like you know after the All Star break some time to get back up to speed. So you would think that Duclair, you know, on the positive side of things, would maybe be able to get back on the ice and help the team for the for the late season run, get back for the playoffs. Um, it, you know, uh, just sucks for Duke. Uh, you know, this is a guy who's found his home in South Florida. He signed a an extended deal. He had a career year last year: thirty one goals, fifty eight points, both career highs. Uh, also career highs with power play goals, power play assists, game-winning goals. Um, if you want to try to find the positive in anything, it's that you know the Panthers will get some cap relief. He's uh, got the $3 million AAV, um, which they'll certainly be able to use when you think about you know perhaps re-signing guys like Claude Giroux or Mason Marchment. Um, so, or going on the free agency wire as well, because you know, Bill Zito uh, certainly and his crew has their eyes on some perhaps diamonds in the rough. Um but yeah, it just sucks for Anthony Duclair and, you know, praying for a, uh, a quick and speedy recovery that uh, is not too painful for him uh, and hope that he's back on his skates before we know it. Um, Matt Kirstead, a young defenseman, uh, re-signed to a two-year deal. Uh, interesting that year one is a two-way deal, which means he can move between the AHL and the uh, NHL and have two different salaries for that. Year two is a one-way deal, meaning he makes the same NHL salary no matter where he plays, which kind of shows uh, that this front office is saying, look, we're believing in you. We're giving you this opportunity. We believe that by that second year, you will be an NHL full-time player, and we're going to pay you as such, um, which is a nice confidence thing to give to a, just a 24-year-old kid who's only got 17 games in the NHL under his belt. Um, he played 10 games last year. He got his first NHL goal um, and his first NHL point. He got an assist as well. Um, and, you know, he's good size, six foot one. Uh, you would think, right, that uh, that he's somebody, you know, he was coveted coming out of uh, North Dakota as an undrafted college player. Um, last season, he played 63 games with Charlotte and he had 20 points, which is, you know, very solid for a young defenseman. Um, it'll be interesting. I want to see him grow. I want to see him become perhaps part of this top six. You know, Bill Zito and they, his guys believe in him. Obviously, they gave him this deal. So um, he's someone to be keeping an eye on uh, as we move forward. 
Uh, somebody that we apparently will not be keeping an eye on uh, in a Panther sweater is Maxime Mammon, uh, Russian news outlet TASS reporting that uh, Mammon signed a three-year deal to return to CSKA in Moscow at the KHL, uh, which is not surprising. Uh, Maxine Mammon grew up in the CSKA youth program starting from when he was 10 years old. Um, he played for them. Uh, he he scored the Gagarin Cup, which is the Stanley Cup of the KHL. He scored the clinching goal for CSKA in 2019 uh, when uh, they beat Avangard uh, to win the, uh, the Gagarin Cup. He scored the winning goal there. Uh, this is a team that's gone to four straight Gagarin Cup final. Um, they won it last year. They beat Metallurg. Uh, and then, as I said, they won in 2019 as well beating avant-garde so good for mammon you know it's a shame that he can't uh, return to the panthers but you know he's happy there he's he's there now he returned to moscow like a week or two ago and he's been having fun with friends so you know good on him and uh wishing him nothing but the best um the nhl draft is next week july 7th and 8th guys uh, the panthers have zero picks in the first two rounds um but they've got a third a fourth a fifth two sixths and a seventh so, uh, you know, obviously we'll be keeping an eye on the draft. Trades can happen. But really the big date to watch is free agency opening on July 13th, which is uh, just a couple weeks away from now. And finally, uh, I want to offer a big congratulations to a friend of the show, friend of the podcast, friend of mine, former Panthers goaltender Sean Burke. Uh, he was hired as the uh, goaltending director and goalie coach for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, which is a great opportunity and a great job for, for Berkey. So just super happy for him. Wanted to extend some congratulations to a great guy, a greater player. Uh, he's been a great executive in the NHL. He was in Montreal for a long time. Uh, he worked with Team Canada, and now he will be uh, working with the Coyotes, or with the Coyotes, where he used to be. Uh, he will be with the Golden Knights. So I will be rooting for Berkey as well. And uh, again, congrats to him. And that's going to do it for episode 56 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. Uh, I want to thank you for joining me, listening, and uh, you know, listening to me ramble on for a bit. Remember, if you're a fan of my work, you can find all my written Panthers coverage on Local10.com, or you can get it on the Local10 app as well. And if you don't already, give me a follow, just like Roberto Luongo does, wink, wink, on Twitter at, uh, at David's Work for my daily coverage of the Panthers. And, uh, you know, if you haven't already, you're here, but I don't know why you wouldn't, smash the subscribe button on this podcast as well. Leave me a good rating and a good comment. You know, I always appreciate the feedback. And, uh, yeah, until next time, everybody, just please take care of yourselves. Stay safe, be kind, and as always, stay cool. See ya.